Welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard McLean. I'm John Norton. I'm Rob Norton. And this is Please Leave a Message. This is Please Leave a Message, episode something. I didn't even look to see where we're at. You can call us at 801-SKETCH-1. That's 801-753-8241. You can find us at pleaseleavemessage.com, which may or may not be working. I checked it the other day and it wasn't. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure that out. And we are on Instagram. We're at Message Podcast. And you can send us an email at pleasepodcast at gmail.com. Welcome, guys. Hey. So I was looking on your uh, bookshelf. Yes. And, you know, I've started playing Dungeons and Dragons. You have not. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Fifth edition? Yes. Okay. So, I actually like fifth edition. Yeah? I beta tested fifth edition. (laughs) It's my first time playing ever. Like, there's a group of us, and we got me and my friend Travis and... People and like other people who are like, like my girlfriend Lori, mm-hmm. like let's all come to play. So there's like nine or ten people there. That's a lot. That's a lot without me knowing. That's right. I remember you telling me about and that. And I was, I was going yeah. insane a little bit. And it's <laughs> like the group is like dwindled down to like four or five, which now. is much better. But it was, it was just nuts because like people, because like some people didn't understand. Like my girlfriend Lori, she's like, Yeah, I'll come and hang out with people I know and it'll be fun and it'll be like a little party. I'll play this game. You can teach me how. I'm like, Do you understand? Like, I wasn't even fully understanding, but I, I was a little bit. I'm like, this is this is a thing. <laughs> this isn't just a, a a little thing to kind of do. Like you have to be invested in it. Well, and, and different groups are different. Mm-hmm. Like the first group that I ever played with, I had fun with them, but again, it was the first group I'd ever played with. And so then I went to work after playing with them and I just casually mentioned to this guy that I worked with, oh, hey, I played Dungeons and Dragons for the first time this weekend. And he's like, oh, I've been playing that since I was like four you should come play with us sometime. And so I went and played with them and I'm like, wow, this is a radically different experience. Yeah. They were way more fun to play with. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. And <laughs> I think like our group is gonna, it's, it's kind of dying and we're not able to like get together as often, especially now, but like each day it was like maybe three or four hours that we were doing right. stuff and we just couldn't get through it. But the one guy, Travis, like he ended up having to be dungeon master because no one else. That's me. Yeah. Right. So I wanted to play. There's, I like Dungeons and Dragons, but there's this other game that I was reading about. I'm like, this sounds really cool. Like I'm hearing really good stuff and I want to play this game. It's called Savage Worlds. Just, it sounds like a really cool rule set mm-hmm. and I wanted to try it out. And after like a year of just wanting to try it out, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to run the game if I want to play it. Right. Which is what has what happened. And so I ended up running. I just bought an adventure to run them through. I figured it'd be like an easy, like kind of a go by the book, kind of a railroaded adventure. And that ended up running for a full year to get through that whole thing. And then I ended up doing, they do another one. So that was like a zombie apocalypse kind of game that we did for a year. And then Savage Worlds, their main 
property that most of, they have a lot of different settings, but their big one is called Deadlands and it's a weird wild west. So you got zombies and Wendigo and werewolves and all kinds of stuff in the wild west. And so I ended up running that for a year and you have to do homework and stuff when you're you, a dungeon master. You do. And I remember it was really stressful at first. That's how he is. He's he's my, the our dungeon master. He's not he's kind of ready to quit. You know, it's like stressful and he has to do stuff, but he like he has a 3D printer and he's been printing oh, stuff that'd be fun. for it. Like he has a he has his 3D printer going almost nonstop <laughs> printing up stuff. So with, with Savage Worlds, the prep time isn't as bad. Honestly, Dungeons and Dragons is a little too crunchy. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot more time to get prepped and to, to run that game kind of the way it's intended to be run. Right. I like the game. That's the thing. I do like the game. I do Savage Worlds game with zero prep now. I just have the adventure book and I run it. I, I have my cousins come over every month and we play that, except for lately. <laughs> Funny thing was we were in the middle of the very last... Fight. I already know uh, where this is going. <laughs> the middle of the very last fight. And one of my cousins had to get to work. And I'm like, well, I don't usually like to stop in the middle of a fight. I like to at least finish that, but we can finish it next week. And we haven't even played since then. I, I think you I think you would like I was gonna say it. I'd have to try it one of these times and really give it a shot because it doesn't I don't know, it doesn't sound like it's something I'd like, but the more I hear about it, I'm like, I must well, I it, try. What what was fun for me is like you're creating your hero or your character and different classes and whatever but then like you have to kind of figure out their alignment you know which was like are they chaotic good you know right whatever new and like travis as the dungeon master like he printed out a picture of like a characters from different shows mm -hmm. like so it like to as a template like what kind of alignment do you want to be do you want to be like a really honorable or something one of them was deep space nine <laughs> you know like like there's neutral, there's like neutral and like honorable and yeah. chaotic and stuff like that. And, and then I looked up like, what do I want to be? And I found one, these are certain characters from sci-fi or whatever that are these certain alignments. And then I saw Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be what he is. I'm that guy. <laughs> and then what's fun is you have to play to what your character is supposed to be. Not like how you think right. you want the story to go. Like at, at one point we had a, we captured a goblin or something like that and we were interrogating him and it was me and one other guy and he was really honorable and this goblin gave up all the information that we had and then we're like he's like i don't care if you kill me now or whatever i'm like okay but like arrow right to the face <laughs> and the other guy's character he's like john i just want you to know like i don't care but my guy is really pissed <laughs> and he is not going to like funny. trust you for the rest of the time, you know, <laughs> and that became a thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny. Like the very first group I played with, those guys had been playing for a long time and they were very much into the, the stereotypes of the different characters. Mm -hmm. So there's just, there's these different tropes that have built up over the years. And so, you know, a thief kind of character, it's, common for them to be thought of as the guy that will backstab everybody including his own team members and all this stuff and i i actually i like groups that don't have all that history because then they're not so ingrained in oh this is the way i'm supposed to play this character right and so i've i've always when i've played i try to come up with different like weird things that you wouldn't normally do so like with that group and they were so they were just so uptight about the rules. There's a lot of rules. You can't play all the rules all the time, okay? They're just a guideline. Be flexible. Yeah. So it, it depends on the dungeon master. Yeah, really. it, it very much does. But this group, they've it, 
it basically was a family that lived up the street from us in West Valley. Mm-hmm. And they just invited me to play because I was talking with one of them one time and I had told them that I'd never played before, but I always wanted to try, try it out. He's like, oh, we always play all the time. Well, next time we're playing, we'll have you over. So they did. The first time I played with them, I didn't realize, I just was like learning the game. So I didn't realize how strictly they were following the rules. So like after a battle, we'd have to like gather up our, try to find arrows, you know, and keep track of every little piece of equipment. Right. And then the next group I played with, they didn't really pay attention to that. Oh, they're like, oh, yeah, they just kind of hand waved it. Yeah, you've got enough arrows to keep fighting through the whole fight kind of a thing. And I'm like, oh, that's a way more fun way to play. I, I can see the, I can see, I can see both. I, I understand both, but I don't want to keep track of the math. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I hand wave so much stuff when I'm the game master. I'm just, I'm just tra- telling a story. Just making fun. Yeah. Next time I play and come up with a new character, I'm going to base it off of like, I wanted to base it off like She-Ra. Yeah. <laughs> or like, just like not call her She-Ra or something, but just like have like the a, a badass warrior woman. Maybe she has some magical powers. I'd have to figure stuff out or, or Lino or He-Man or any, anything like that. You know, like there are certain things you might be able to do. Oh, and then they like follow the, in the rules of Dungeons and Dragons, it's like when you fight this level of character, then you get this level of treasure as a, as a reward kind of a thing. And we didn't do anything with treasure. Yeah. Like I had a bunch of gold. We never. And and when you beat this level of character, you get this much XP. And the again, like I said, the, the first time I played it, I'm like, oh, that's just the rules. That's what you do. And then when I played with this other group and saw how loose you can be with the rules. And then when I went back to play with them again, it just felt really stifling. Mm. The weird thing, they the, the thing I think they were the weirdest about was character levels. Because really? this is definitely written in the rules where if you're a certain level character, you fight certain level villains and you get certain level XP from that. And I hadn't played with them for a while. And so I went and I came back. My character was a much lower level. They didn't just automatically like level you. They up. didn't let me level up to their level. They're like, this might be difficult for you because you're, and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, well, see ya. So, but then I did weird things too. Like I played a, I played a gnome monk. Yeah. Which is a combination you don't, you don't normally do. So the, the reason you would play a monk is it lets you do really high damage unarmed. But because I was playing a gnome monk, all of the pluses I got for being a monk were negatives for being a gnome. So they like balanced <laughs> out. <laughs> they canceled each other out. That's funny. So it was it was a really funny character to play. And it was it was that same game where they were like, oh, well, you're going to have to continue playing that lower level character that you because you haven't been with us. We'll have to work you into the story somehow instead of just being like, oh, you're just there. Right. Well, it's it's funny. I, I just have like want to say two more things and we can move on to <laughs> what we came here to talk about. But like because um, we had a big group. And then some people didn't show up, but then like some people did. And we just like, eh, you're sleeping in the castle. Like you, right. you were, you were resting or right. something. And then we just leveled them up to the point that we were, but we had this, this one girl who was playing with us and she's played, she knows how to do it. And I forget what the species was, but she was a bird. Okay. A, but she was a bard, you know, like a musician. A bird bard. Right. But it was a, it was a bird-like person. We kept calling her bird person from Rick and Morty. <laughs> In bird culture, we call that a dick move. That, that was a running joke. I'll, I'll show you a YouTube clip. But like this bird person had like, like mind witch powers. Okay. Which is funny because she like, she does like psychiatry therapy and stuff. So. Okay. Dungeon Master Travis, he would call her a mind witch, but like <laughs> she would always like 
you know, in a battle, she would like perch up somewhere high so she couldn't get anywhere. And then she'd like, she had this power to like convince people, gosh, I forget what it was, but she basically convinced people that they were like worthless. Like your, your father never liked you. And like, you know, and did this horrible thing, blah, blah, blah. So like these people, like, then they do the role and the role worked. Right. And so like, then the dungeon master is like, well, this guy's in a Creek and you made him crumple down and cry and just like, give up and he, he's like so he drowns in the river <laughs> you know? stuff like that she did that constantly where she just did like these really weird mind witch like cruel things which is funny because she's in therapy you know she's a right. therapist and stuff like that but so yeah the, the thing with that monk character of mine was that because they didn't let me match their level i couldn't do any damage to anything really and so i just had to find comedic ways to have fun during the battle because they were just not trying to make it fun for me so Mm -hmm. i had to make it fun for myself so like every time we'd get to a battle they'd be like discussing what to do and i would be like screw it i'm just i'd do the leroy jenkins thing and just run in there (laughs) (laughs) and uh and attack but then i couldn't do anything and so then i would like scream like a little girl and get out of there right and and hide or whatever and and so i was just I was just being comic relief because they wouldn't let me play at the level they were playing at. <laughs> well, I've never played, so I can't relate to any of this. I have no idea what you guys are talking about, really. But it sounds fun. It is fun. It, 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 it can be fun if you get the right group. Yeah, and the stuff right like group that. really helps. Like it, it, you have to be focused on it. You have to like spend a lot of time in like a day. Like even three to four hours was too little for us sometimes. Like right. we barely were able to do anything. It is kind of like that thing in Stranger Things where you. Part of that is the rule set. Dungeons and Dragons is kind of a slow game. Yeah. Um, just because the way the rules are written. That's what I like about Savage Worlds. Their their tagline is fast, furious, fun. Right. You can do stuff really fast. There you go. But that's why I like yeah. it better. You can do the same kind of games. You can do a dungeon crawl just can, like you can Dungeons and Dragons. Right. It's just a different rule set. But don't play with a lot of people and don't make it a party game where people are drinking and whatever else and not paying attention. I was I was going insane enough where I made my character leave. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you guys are going here. I'm going this way. I don't even care if I die. <laughs> don't split the party, man. Yeah, well, you should have been paying attention. <laughs> All right. So why are you guys here? Why are we here, John? Well, we are coming up on the end. We are, we are about to produce our third book of yes. our Master's End fan comic Mm -hmm. this is something that's been in the works for a long time the 10 years 10 years well so it's important to explain that it hasn't taken 10 years like of continuous work because that's not how that goes uh it's something that so the the it's a it's a fan comic that i started in my head because on a i had a birthday and you john gave me a collection of dvds of the original he-man cartoon which i haven't seen in years back back in the day when like these things weren't streaming yeah this <laughs> they, they it wasn't ancient technology ray wasn't even a th- right. real the thing dvds and like you had to like oh remember we haven't watched this it hasn't been on tv but here's the here's a season here's the whole series you can get on dvd so exciting i was like this is amazing so i took it home plugged it in and started watching it and once that like that filmation ding, and i'm like oh i'm a child again though all those sounds that music and so i just started watching it and i remember thinking i love these designs i love the the nostalgia the animation is beautiful there's a style that they just don't do anymore 
that I like. But as I kept watching, I'm like, man, these stories are really written for kids. These are extremely childish, which is fine because that's that's how it was made. It's, right. there, it's just what it, it's not trying to be anything it's not. There's a running joke when I started watching some of the episodes. I'm like, all He-Man does is throw a rock. That's how he solves problems. <laughs> he, he'll talk to you or throw a rock at you or something. He may punch the camera every now and then. Yeah, he'll bust up. He'll punch a rock or throw a rock. <laughs> so I started watching this. I'm like, so I started coming up with stories because I still haven't watched it since I was a kid. So it, you, like, it's it's really just memory for me. It is. You, you can like most of the episodes. You can watch full episodes on YouTube. They're on YouTube. They're all there. Yeah. Okay. So you can just turn it on. And you'll get going. You'll be like, man, my memory was a lot better. You know what I mean? <laughs> it felt so serious or more dramatic. Right. You rewatch it as an I, adult. I did catch an episode of Thundercats once. Um, and I was just like, I can't believe that this crappy animation I actually liked. You take that back, sir. You do. You have to take that back. I still, th- to me, I think the, the Thundercats, especially like the first pilot episodes still hold up as quality animation so, and reasonable. So, I mean, there's, there's going to be a, a point like in our timeline, if we kind of went through that, I was going to get to her to be, to be fair. To I be, wasn't really, like, I wasn't watching, watching it. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I was on my mission. I was teaching somebody about the gospel to be watching this. and it was on down the hall <laughs> in somebody's bedroom. Room and I was just like, huh. And I caught a glimpse for the next catching, 22 minutes. Catching a glimpse from afar. And and still I was just like, wow, that's a lot less yeah. keyframes than I remember. I, I, I hear what you're saying because like Voltron, I remember watching as a child. And then like they replayed some of the episodes later when I grew up a little bit. I was still like teenager. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Voltron. But like a lot of the episode that I, the one episode I happened to catch involved like these mice yeah. running around with a cat and it was very like anime, like the style with like the, the lines, the exclamation yeah. lines. I don't even know what you call them. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is not what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you remember the really big dramatic stuff, but when you watch it as a whole, it's, it loses some of its sheen. Like you still love it from the nostalgia, but right. So, yeah. So I just was watching it and like as creatives, like, you know, you start create, you start coming up with stories in your head and you're like, I would do this. And what if I did this? And what if I did this? And I started coming up with stuff that I thought was really interesting. So I'm like, well, I can't do anything with He-Man. So I, I transitioned them into like my own characters and started coming up with stories like, maybe I'll do this. And that kind of created its own life. But then I kept coming up with the original story come up for the He-Man thing. I'm like, I really like this. I'm like, you know what? And sometimes you can't shut your brain off when you you can't like, I've been like, you're thinking about storylines and then like, a plot twist happens in your own head. Yeah. Right. You're like, like, oh my God, I did not see this coming. Yeah. (laughs) And I created it. So you just run with it and you keep going and going and going. It just does. So that's kind of what it was. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm, why sit here and think about how awesome it would be to, to create this? Why stop? Why just sit and think about it? I'm going to do it. So I was like, all right, I got the first story. And one of my problems as a aspiring amateur comic book artist is I tend to think too cinematically. I tend to like want to show every little scene like you would see. So it starts turning into a storyboard, a storyboard, which is huge and all these panels. So I, I started teaching myself, okay, I have the, this is the story. I broke it down into sections. So there's four or five sections. The first section, I'm going to have a 24 page comic. So the first section, I can only allocate four pages to tell this story. So compress it down right. to tell. So you start 
I also, my mindset was, I'm going to have this to be a training ground to draw comics. So I'm teaching myself. I'm going to use the best pencils, the best paper, the best inks, and do the best job I can. Mm-hmm. I just started doing it. And uh, as I started getting more into the story, I'm like, I'm going to have to do a second issue. I'm going to have to do a third issue to tell the entire story. So I was telling you, John, about this. And I was like, I don't remember exactly how it came up, but I don't know if you asked or if I said, do you want to help me? I, I think you had thought of asking some people that were artists to con- like to contribute to things like yeah. your friend Brian you're like maybe I'll ask him who knows if he will but then you did ask me yeah and like cuz he basically had a point like the first issue was he-man totally like mm-hmm. 100% until a couple spoilers right and then he's like, John, I need you to do the second part, which involves the Thundercats very heavily. Yes. And then, so then, it just, sorry, no, because He-Man was Rob's thing. Basically, like, that's what, you know, you watched mostly like Transformers and everything. Yeah. I mostly remember watching Thundercats, okay. you know, so I was invested more with those characters in that show than He-Man, yeah. especially after rewatching it on this DVD. I'm like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just started coming up with these stories and we just started working on it. I, I had the basic, I had the story basically all figured out and I said, here's the story. So go ahead and draw it how you want, but here's the story if I recall correctly. Yeah, you you storyboarded most of the, you, you thumbnailed, sketched out yeah. a lot of the pages until I just got to be like, this is what I want to do, like uh, what I think would be cool and you basically let me run with it. Yeah, as long as the ultimate story kind of went to where it needed to go. Right. So, uh, and the the main point of this is it, this is so it's a He-Man fan comic based specifically on the 80s cartoon show because there's a lot of iterations. There's comic series, there's the mini comics that came with the toys that were the origin of the thing, I believe, mm-hmm. and then there's been some animated shows. They're doing another one on Netflix that they're stealing our idea. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. We're very frustrated. But um it was based on the 80s cartoon, but I don't know how else to put it. I don't mean adult like in a bad way, but it's more for adults. It's not meant for kids right. per se. Although I, as a kid, I would have loved this. Our, our comic book. like Our comic book, be, yes. And th- that's why I say it's like you watch it as kids, but you watch it now and it's very kid-friendly. Like, right. But as you mature, <laughs> your tastes mature with it. So, like, if you liked it as a kid, you'll probably like this as an adult. That was kind of the idea. This is what I would want to see. Right. This I'm just purely doing what I wanted to see from it. And the idea was it, it's it's a the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor and then the continuation of the story from there. My idea was, is in a way, like we've all seen the animated Transformer movie from the, the 80s. Right. I imagine the this... The best Transformer movie ever. 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 Like, this is in a way, like, I imagine this is like the animated He-Man movie. If they went as serious-ish as, like, that movie was, the Transformer movie. Right. I mean, they killed people. It was violent. There yeah, was cussing. Was... <laughs> You're like, wow, what just happened? So that's kind of what this is. It's funny is I didn't, I never saw that till I was an adult. I think you mentioned that before. Yeah, my you... mom was like, you are not going to an hour and a half commercial for toys that I can't afford. Did, did it blow your mind when you saw I it? I was like, I was like, Whoa, no wonder I didn't understand the next. Because <laughs> I remember when the movie came out and then the next season of Transformers yeah. came out, I was lost. What oh, happened? Yeah. I was like, what the heck? Yeah, total change. That was definitely the bridge that showed you where everything went. So, yeah, that was kind of my mindset. Like, make it serious, make it big like that movie. And the story kind of starts 
you 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 do need to be familiar with the concept. A, a really good comic or any story help like tells you everything you need to know. But in a way, you kind of need to be familiar with these characters, right? Because it's just like all the stuff that happened in the show. That's where we end, and then we start here, and it starts kind of like with the big action piece. Like that's the beginning of the story, and then the rest of the story is kind of the fallout of it all. So rather than a slow build to a big action thing, it starts with a big action thing, and then kind of tells more stories that's not quite as big as that beginning part. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do we do we want to talk about spoilers in the comic here? I mean, I don't see why not. We have like three fans in the universe, so maybe this would drive people to be interested and in it. And these are dedicated fans. Dedicated fans. We've got three <laughs> yeah. total. Like like you said, it's it's violent. Oh, you know, I, it, I, I've read it. Yeah. You got them. <laughs> people, like the people die right off. Because Skeletor is a scary dude. Should be a scary Should dude. Should be, yeah. He's a walking his, skeleton. His design is like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. He looks great. Walking skull that talks and stuff. Um, and he murders people like right out of the gate. Yeah. In our story, like that's the first thing he does. And that, that was what, that's a, that's a good hook though. Like people see that, like I've always like loved that first picture of Skeletor sitting on that throne because it's a good piece of art and you like, you automatically get it. But then like what he does right after that, where it's very violent and, but it makes sense. Like that's a good hook. And you're like, what's next? Where is this going? Well, that's even a filmmaking thing. They say, if you haven't killed somebody by page 10, then you've failed. That's hilarious. <laughs> I've never heard that, but that makes perfect sense. <laughs> So, yeah, you want people to, like, where are they going with this? So we just kind of, I started, like we said, it's taken 10 years. We did a big chunk of it a long time ago, but then I got hooked up with some small publishing comic creators and stuff like that. So I set the He-Man thing aside to work on other stuff. I wanted mm-hmm. to focus on it. So there'd be month, weeks, months, and sometimes years in between even looking at it. And at some point, I kind of just, I'm like, I'm never going to touch it again. I'm done with it. How much did you get done before you got me involved? Did you get like the first issue done? I might have had the first 24 pages done or close to being done. So the the end of his comic book, spoilers, halfway through Voltron shows up. Yeah. You know, controlled by Skeletor. Don't even know why or how at that point. (laughs) He's just got him. Yeah. And Voltron is ready to take on He-Man. That's another hook. Like... Yeah. Skeletor killing people at that's, the beginning. That's the thing we all wanted to see when we were kids. Right. It's kind of like when you play with your toys. I've yeah. got my Transformers and my He-Mans and my Thundercats and you like they smash each other and play like here's the comic version of this. Right. But but the way you did it too is like Voltron shows up classic pose, you know, yep. of Voltron. But then, you know, you had this great shot of like He-Man showing up and splash page of He-Man jumping it like with the big shot of Voltron. Well, head. and can I tell you, because like I love the comic when I finally when I read it, when you first did, sent me did those you, pages. Did you know any of this was happening? Well, no, I, like, I knew you were working on it and you're like, and, and I was like, I, I think I asked you if I could see it. I don't recall. And I think you sent some pages over and I, I'll tell you, I don't like the coloring part of comics, mm-hmm. but I loved your art so much. I was like, I want to put some color on this. <laughs> and, and that's when I, that's when I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just like, so like, oh, this is so cool. I, I, I well, want to, I, I want to do something with yeah, it. Yeah. It was, it was a shock because we were sending off that first one to the printer, right? Isn't that what we did? The, the, had the skeleton. The, the one, three right? ones. Well, yes. Like that kind that came up. Anyways, go ahead. No, I was just, just that it was one, you just kind of randomly did it. And yeah. I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Well, we need to add this. Because <laughs> it was funny because I had been to a few, like we had started doing the conventions and I had my own comic book that I was trying to sell. And I was going to a convention and I was like, I, I just wanted more stuff on my table. Right. And I was like, you know what? I have a 30 
two-page comic book basically ready to go, like 100% completed. And again, we didn't think we were ever going to like print something up or do anything with it because licensed like, characters. Right, we're just going to put it online. Like, let's do it. We'll put it online. But then we created a bunch and then just sat on it for a long time. Yeah, and we always thought like it would be nice to have it printed up so we could look at it, give it, a, give it out to some people. But I just like thought like, you know, I send my comic into this certain publisher and I've seen other people print out stuff from licensed characters usually prints so I'm like I'm just gonna send this in and if they say like no we can't do this like some places right. might sure then. then what are you gonna do right but they didn't they didn't care didn't even bat an eye so at I was just like <laughs> I got this thing ready and then I told Robert like that was my idea that I was gonna do so like you got your stuff let's do this and let's do the convention together and have it yeah and I did send it in with the black and white covers yeah and then you had sent the colored version Richard. out of the blue I just yeah. sent it and to so you. I'm like hold on I am immediately texting you John I'm like can you call them and ask them to hold because we got a color now yeah and I did I called them and they were like yeah they, they didn't care swapped it out and so it was a very it's like oh this is so great because you know black and white but the cover was colored for free like like i paid for a black and white comic book right you know but the cover was always built into the price right yeah to color it yeah a, yeah a covered color was just part of it right so it so, just worked out yeah so yeah it was just we just started working on this thing and there was big gaps of time in between but i finally reached a point where i said okay, I am going to finish this. And so let's start working on it. And because I know you'd put yours down and I think you told me once you didn't think you'd ever want to get back to it. Well, yeah, because I mean, I finished the first comic. I mean, the second issue, which is because the, the first issue ends with a cliffhanger with Skeletor in possession of the Eye of Thundera from Thundercats. You know, Voltron already shows up yep. and then there's the Eye of Thundera. Why does Skeletor have this? How does he have it? Blah, blah, blah. That's where I came in. It was a bit of a flashback. Skeletor fighting the Thundercats with the Voltron lions. They didn't hook up with Voltron. Yep. Um, and man, does Schnarf get it? Oh, he does. That was... <laughs> that was... And those were some of the... That was my contribution, too. Like, because Robert, like, he had certain people dying. To John's credit, my original idea was much more violent. I don't think any of the Thundercats were going to survive, maybe, or maybe a couple of them. But John's like, can we not have them all murdered because we can continue with them? Yeah. So he he reined me in. I was going out of control with like, oh my gosh, we're going to slaughter all these characters. Yeah. It's going to be epic. Well, and I remember your sketch for what happens to Snarf is like he gets a hold of him. He just crushes him like into a ball. Is of that wood. what I did? Just, I don't like, recall. Whatever. And I just like, you know, he's going to grab his tail and his head and he's just going to rip his tail off with his spine still attached. <laughs> I mean, because and then he had like the idea of like uh, Chitara coming running out. And in the comic book, he just kind of zaps her down and she's down for the count. But you you had it where she's going to come running by and he's going to hold out and grab her by the head, but her body's going to keep going. <laughs> and that's what I was like. the most messed up idea. That's a little much. <laughs> and you were correct to do so. Because we already killed off some fan favorites in He-Man. Yeah. Already. Yeah. I just kept knocking them down just because why not? Like, yeah. We're going all out on this one. But there was some, it was good, like, editorial, yeah. like, Stepping in and saying, Rob, you're going too far. Let's, you can still have the good story, but we don't have to kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree. So we, we got to a, cause, and that was all I was supposed to do. I was supposed to do this one issue yeah. just showing the end of the Thundercats. You did have like a resolution for what would happen with them later. You kind yeah. of talk. He's like, and if you want to draw that down the line. But then I did this thing. I'm like, ooh, I want, like, my creative brain started going yeah. too. I'm gotcha. like, Lionel wouldn't just take this lane down, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so. 
you know, some messed up stuff happened. Lionel's messed up. That he rips out the eye of Thundera from the sword, you know, because of whatever. Because that's what we decided. Skeletor had some plot armor. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, he, he killed off Panthro. People, you know, he destroyed most of the the lair, the Thundercat lair. Yep. And then I just had this idea. I'm like, you know, I'm going to have involve Mumra and Lionel's going to get back there and he's going to like... I'm like, let's have a badass fight with Lion-O and He-Man at the end. Yeah. Basically, I kind of got the idea as opposed to like a crossover where the two heroes fight and then come to get team up against the greater, like the common threat. The common threat already came and went. Right? Yes. And now yes. these two are going to fight. Yeah. The, the idea is that I kind of come up with the whole main thing and was kind of driving it. And then you took the Thundercats part and you started creating stories. So that kind of became your thing. And now we have worked out the story, especially in the third, third book that we're putting together, that those two storylines are kind of converging in a way that I don't think we originally planned, but I think yeah. it's better overall. I'm excited for the three or four people in the universe who've read these books to <laughs> read this and be able to have see, because to be able to read the whole thing, yeah. like get the complete story. Because we originally printed as three individual 24-page-ish books, right. but then we just combined them into one big 80-something page book. That's book one. Volume one. Volume one. Mm-hmm. Then we have volume two, which was another 80-plus page thing. And we're now doing volume three, which is up in the air, 80, 90 pages, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a, we're, we're padding some of this. We're last padding issue. the heck out of it. There's a lot of splash pages, but it's the epic <laughs> conclusion. So we wanted the big visual yeah. excitement. Look, I've idea. read the death of Superman. I know about I know all of that splash pages. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. We, we, we were kind of talking about this lately. It's like the first book is kind of like the, again, the hook, like this is going to get you interested in this story, all the crazy stuff that happens, all the crossovers and stuff. And the second book was probably our finest storytelling you know, it like, gets into the deep stuff. Yeah. And we give everybody like their little moments. Like we involve a uh, cringer slash battle cat. And a... cause he wasn't in the first, like, well, my, my idea was like, I wanted to touch on every major character and their reaction to this on some level. I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. So yeah. it basically touches everybody. Like yeah. who, what would He-Man's parents feel about this? What does Oracle feel about this? Yeah. What does Cringer feel yeah. about this? So She-Ra gets involved. She-Ra gets involved. That's some of my favorite stuff. Yeah some cool stuff with her characters, but the third book is really the fan service book. Okay. You know, it's, it's the two heroes fighting in an epic way. And, um, we got a lot of splash pages in there and like, I'm like, I could probably put these three pages into one. <laughs> eh. Why? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's a combination cause it is the, the big fan servicey fight between the two and it all makes sense. But then that kind of ends about halfway through and then it gets into the, the, cause the first half is mostly you. Yeah. Mostly your stuff. And then the second half is my stuff where I'm resolving the, horrible stuff that he-man has gone through and done and the psychological repercussions of it right i'm I'm not trying to make this sound deeper than it is like it's this amazing work you know we're doing the best we can i think it's fun i think it's interesting so there's a lot of fun stuff i'm really excited for people who've read these other books to be able to see how it resolves and yeah, we won't give a spoiler for the third book. Yeah, it's not out yet. Well, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope you are. I, uh, I, I've i got at least one or two people online that I know are like, tell me when it's ready. Tell me when it's ready. So, well, we were, I mean, luckily I was able to commit to finishing it too. Because like, you know, back in the day I did, you know, the 30 something pages and then I put it down too. But then I started the next thing and I got like halfway into that. And then I started doing my own comic book. Mm-hmm. And then, but then we started 
putting this out. We're like, we need to finish. We have to finish. We, it we now. need to do like the next book and stuff like that. So he had a lot. Most he had all his stuff done for the second book. Pretty much, I think so. Yeah, but like my section was still incomplete. I gotcha. So, but I'm like Robert, you're gonna pencil some of these pages. You know, I sketch them out on like the big pages, and he finished them and inked them. You know, I was able to do the lettering on them, and we got that out. And it just kind of, luckily, everything kind of timed up right where I finished my comic book, you know, like the five issues that I did with that. Like your own personal my, my separate. Own, yeah, my own, own personal. Creator own book. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, now before I start anything else. We're going to wrap this let's up. Let's finish this up. Yeah. And the ultimate goal is once we get, we're going to have these three volumes and then we'll put them together into one big, thick book. I mean, it'll be a big graphic novel size and it'll be, I think, a really interesting thing to be able to have and to read. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really excited for that. I mean, each individual volume was great, but to have that one completed big one with everything, we could throw in like behind the scenes sketches or if we wanted to, I don't know. We'll, we'll decide that when the time comes. But I'd like to get people's opinion on it. I'd like to know what people think about that. Because some people don't like it because it's so violent and they're just like slaughtering <laughs> characters. They're like, my childhood characters you've killed i know i understand it's not for everybody i, I know you, it's a little extreme do you want to talk about the the happiest uh website on the world do you remember that um the that one group with uh who's that artist that x-men artist neil adams i have no idea what you're talking about no, right now. like because <laughs> so, you were putting your pages of the first oh. on digital webbing somehow it got it, it somebody linked it to john burns john burn not oh, website okay. and they so they saw that I put it on one website, all these pages of the first issue. So somebody linked it and shared it over there and said how, like, look at this sad, pathetic fanboy who's probably living in his mother's basement, working out his power fantasies, and, and just started tearing it apart. Be- be- because it involves Skeletor as the villain killing people. Doing right. violent, mean, monstrous stuff. It was, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, like some people were just like, this is the most offensive, stupid thing. And it became personal attacks. Like this guy must be a sad loser because this is what he does to this thing. I'm like, dude, we're just creating stories and it doesn't matter because it's just a fan work. So who cares? Because they were like insistent, like that's not what the He-Man cartoon is. Guess what, guys? This isn't the He-Man cartoon. It doesn't (laughs) negate that. Right. Thing in exists. existence. Yeah. Right. It's but, like it's like the Ghostbusters reboot. Yeah. Did not eliminate the original Ghostbusters. No, it didn't. In any way or form. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is like I like because the original toys were released with mini comics that were based very heavily on Conan as a concept. Mm-hmm. And so it was created in a more serious tone. And of course, they're going to make a kid's cartoon much more kid-friendly. That's fine. So I took the cartoon and combined it with the Conan and made my own kind of brutal, maybe over-the-top thing. And that's fine. It doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> you might want to wonder about my state of mind, but I'm just fine. But, like, the all the violence, like, it had a point to it that led somewhere eventually. I think like, it's funny how sometimes people get all worked up about things when... It has no bearing on their life. Right. Yeah. Well, but we take to heart things that we grew up with. These are, this is part of my childhood and I love it. And then to see somebody else distorting it from your perspective, like, why would you ruin this? I understand. Sure. Because I hate Superman Returns. I actually like it so much better than Man of Steel. It's... I think we oh, Man of Steel is horrible. <laughs> but uh, John disagrees. But, but I, I, I could argue against. So, so I understand where they're coming from. Sure, I don't have to like those things. I can still like the old stuff. Yep, and I'm good. I I don't have to. I don't. I don't have to 
force everybody to like what I like. Yeah. Well, like we live in a state where like ev- like there's very rarely any new original 100% original ideas. Like it's always a reboot, remake, whatever adaptation of something. Right. And people are so upset at the idea of anything being rebooted. You can't like reboot Back to the Future. I will grant you there is no way that any reboot of a movie like that could ever be better than the original. Yep. But it's like there have been some reboots and remakes that have been good. Yeah. You know, and, you know, for every RoboCop remake, there's Mad Max. Yeah. Fury Road. <laughs> you know, was a great for, addition. For every uh, Total Recall, there's Battlestar Galactica. There you go. You know, good... like, it is possible. If you don't like it, okay, don't go watch it. But yeah. it's not going to ruin the, it's not going to ruin your child. Yeah. Ruin my childhood? Come on. Yeah, I'm not ruining anybody's childhood. <laughs> it doesn't childhood. change your childhood. It yeah. does not. <laughs> So, but you know what? It's better to have some people talk about like the idea, like if you create some and it's not polarizing, then you're not doing it right. Like <laughs> some people need to love it, some people hate it. But at least you're doing something that's you can't please everybody. Yeah. Is the thing. Yeah, you just can't. So, this is just our version of these characters, and like we've said, we've involved other '80s properties, and but it is a He-Man centric story. It's not like I've had some people like, oh my gosh, and they were being dead serious. Are you going to involve the Care Bears? No. Oh I was like, no, I'm sorry. The Care Bears will not show up in this book. We did have an idea. I thought it would have been funny. Maybe it can be a print (laughs) where I wanted like, because Skeletor basically went out. Part of like a small subplot is he went out to find weapons to take on He-Man. That's how we got Voltron. That's how we got the Thundercat thing. And that's Transformers shows up into it. They're in there. In a a a bit. In a way. But there's no Optimus Prime, but it's a a smart idea. But I thought, like, what if we did a pinup of, like, (laughs) Skeletor, like, sitting on his throne, like, in a trophy room where there's, like, just trophies from every 80s cartoon and, like, the skin of, like, a a Care Bear. (laughs) Like, pelts. Pelts on the ground or something (laughs) like that. Like, G.I. Joe, like, Snake Eyes helmet mounted on the wall or something like that. Why not? All that kind of... I still think that might be a fun it idea. Could be a fun idea. You could just throw in anything. Like what else? What else is from the '80s that we can think oh that Skeletor? We kind of covered all the major ones. It gets into more obscure stuff past that. We we did have to again like stop ourselves because there were story beats that we could have done that would have made the comic keep going. And we're like, oh, we got to have an end. Because in the second one, like there was a thought that Robert had of having Shira taken by the Quintessons. Okay. You know, spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Totally kidding. And then like, well, now we have to find, like, we yeah. have to resolve that if thing. If you send the characters to do this awesome thing, my point was is to resolve all storylines. You know, right. I didn't want to leave. So I can't have her just gone like, well, what happened to her? So that didn't happen. But I was like, oh, that could have been interesting. What work could we have gone with that? Oh, well, I think it's interesting the way it goes, though. Yeah. Who she runs into and his perspective on stuff will leave some mystery.
right, we call this part of the podcast I Tick. We ask everyone the same six questions in an effort to figure out what makes them tick. So tell us your name and what you do. I am Carl Hale. I am a systems manager for an art foundry. All right. Tell us your earliest memory. My earliest memory is being held by my father, and I must have been uh, holdable, so three or four years old, and we were at a zoo. I imagine it was Hogel Zoo, and I remember his hand holding me uh, with, uh, I remember the ruby ring that he had on his on his ring finger. That's an important memory to me because uh, he was paralyzed when I was eight years old and would not have been able to hold me after that. Uh, tell us a story from your childhood that has influenced your life. Maybe something you haven't shared often. Uh, my saint, my father, uh, when he was paralyzed, uh, he he was half paralyzed, so the left side of his body didn't work, and he lived for another uh, six, seven years until I was fourteen. And uh, sometime in there, I think I must have been about twelve years old. Um, my father was wanting, he'd been trying to get to the temple. And my, I, I was a teenager and I was clueless and I had no idea what all that meant really. And I, it was hard for him to go to the temple because in the temple he would have to change into white clothing. And if half of your body doesn't function well, and he had a brace on one of his legs uh, that helped move his foot. And uh, that was problematic. He needed to have a white white shoes that would work for him. And I was needing to play, and I was wanting to do what I wanted to do. And he called me into his workspace, and he had gotten these white shoes that would work with his brace. They were all white except for a black sole. And the, the sole uh, was up around the side. So you could see, looking at it on the side, you could see the black sole. And he had white paint. And he asked me if I would paint those for him. And I didn't. I was too busy playing. And I couldn't sit down and paint those for him. And uh, that is one of my most painful memories, one of my biggest regrets. But it, it informed my life pretty dramatically uh, because I am an avid temple goer and I love going to the temple. And I think I'm trying to make up a little bit for the years that my dad was not able to go, partly because I had to play. Hmm. Share with us a piece of music that's been highly influential in your life. There are a lot. Um, I will pick a genre randomly. I probably would pick several hymns, uh, but I'm going to pick Handel's Messiah, which is a hymn, more or less. Um, the Hallelujah Chorus, particularly. I am a cellist, and I learned that piece first as a cello. And I played the cello part with a, in a little high school orchestra uh, with a, an amazing orchestra teacher and loved just the music of it. It was the most spectacular thing to be a part of playing that. Um, and then I learned the the voices and, and uh, I've loved singing that in uh, Sing Along Hallelujah chorus opportunities. Share with us another piece of media, music or otherwise, something that's been highly influential in your life. I would say anything by Van Gogh. I am not an art critic and I don't know, I'm not trained. But when I 
first discovered Van Gogh, I, I saw beautiful, subtle complexities in huge, crazy brushstrokes. These brushstrokes that seemed, when you looked closely at them, to make no sense. And you step back and you would see uh, these beautiful, powerful things. And I, one of the best moments of my life was when I was at the, at the National Gallery in London and I saw his sunflowers, vase of sunflowers, and I had my nose an inch away from the, the paint, and I could see the, the weft of the canvas through parts of it, and it was this really thick stroke right next to these really non-existent strokes and, and huge brush strokes. And you look up close and it's, it's just a mess, but you step back and it's this beautiful, powerfully moving piece of art that's just a bunch of sunflowers. I think that's how perhaps life is. Tell us about your passion and why you do it. I have a passion for discovering God. I try to find God for myself. I try to find God for my children. I try to find God for those who do not see them. I find God in nature around me. I find God in technology. I find God in art. I find God in poetry. And I, the reason I am seeking God is because I believe that you and I and everyone else can become God. Carl, what makes you tick? I think that creation, the creative process, the the output of the creative process, the invention of something that did not formerly exist, the 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 mixing of existing materials to produce something that has never been done before, whether that's physical materials or linguistic materials or or beliefs, and discovering what is possible. I I believe that we are all creators. I believe that the creative process has been going on for worlds without end. And I believe that the entire purpose of what we are doing, and purpose is the wrong word because it's just the reality of what is, is to create. And if I am ever in a space where I am not able to discover something new, uh, that would be hell to me. That's the very definition of damnation. And I can't imagine ever being in a place uh, and be satisfied with that. And I believe that I'm not alone. I think that most of us have a desire to discover beauty and discover newness. Creation is what makes me tick. Fantastic. Uh, if you want people to check out your work, to be able to hire you or get in contact with you, how can how can they do that? Uh, CarlHale.com, K-A-R-L-H-A-L-E is my website and that is where most of my stuff is i got another website but uh, go there you can see where i am all right thanks for being on thank you it's been a lot of fun awesome so anyway it's just a it's just i've, I've explained this to some people because i've been drawing comics as an amateur since i was early teenager and so much of it was trying to develop the skills to get good. And so much of it is, ah, am I going to be as good to get hired by the big publishers? And you work with some of these smaller publishers, but you're always working off someone else's scripts and trying to tailor the story to fit what some other writers wants. I feel like in a small way, kind of like I imagine the way the Image Comics guys did when they started to think, I can draw what I want, how I want, and no one else gets to tell me. That's, that's why I do this. People are like, you're dumb for investing all this time and effort into something you don't own. You can't sell this. I'm like, I know. I'm having fun. This is the most fun drawing comics I've ever had in my life. I'm here at 43. Been doing this since I was 12 or 13, I think. 
I'm having the most fun I've ever had in my life doing this because I'm telling the story I want to and I can put it out. I don't need to make money at it. I want people to read it and like it or not like it. Right. But I can create it. I want people to see it and I'm having fun. And that's, I think, that's what comic books should be. They should be fun. Mm -hmm. Let's tell some stories. It, it has been hard sometimes, like, selling the book to people at conventions. Well, like, we don't sell it. Let's, let, let's, right, right. He meant selling with quotations. Selling quote. as in... <laughs> well, we would give it away when they would buy some other stuff. Yeah, if you buy a print, I throw in a copy of the book for free. But, like, there's one guy dressed as Prince Adam. Right. You know? And this is a funny story, right? Yes, it is. Because, like, he he comes walking by, and I'm like, hey, like, come check this out. Like, check out this He-Man thing like we have. You might like this. And yeah. I, I explain it to him. He-Man cosplayer, you like this yeah, stuff. Yeah, and he looks through it, and he's just flipping through it. And he's like, hmm, interesting. And he puts it down, and he just walks away. Walks away. away. Like, <laughs> Doesn't okay. care. I was like, you... What? Oh, fine. <laughs> Cut to one year later... Yep. I get I see on Instagram or Facebook or something. It, yep. Robert put a picture of like, "Oh, check out this guy who who got who got these he, these books, Prince Adam himself." It was the same it was guy. the same dude who sat it down and didn't care. I was like, "That's son of a gun." Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't know that part before until yeah. you saw that and told me later. He didn't care one year, but apparently he's like, "All right, I'll try it, I guess." I, so who knows? You never know who's going to be interested. That's funny. That happens sometimes, though. Like, I I watched a movie the other night that when I originally saw it in the theater, I was just like, eh, I didn't hate it, but... What was it? Well, I'll bring that okay. up in a minute. Yep. But <laughs> a lot of people did hate it. Right. And I was like, well, I can see where you're coming from. It was it was another reboot thing. And so, like, they were like, oh, they ruined the character, blah, blah, blah. The same old, same old. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yeah, I can understand that perspective i didn't think it was super great but it was all right i didn't hate it so i watched it the other night just because i just had this i don't know why i just have wanted to watch it again recently well, when you have expectations like when your expectations are so like you don't have any expectations right. this was a character that i loved and so going in there are expectations but now it's been a few years it's it's not like a th so much of a thing anymore. So I went, I, I watched it the other night and I'm like, this was a really fun movie. Why did I hate it so much? <laughs> or, or just, you know, not, why was I so meh about it? Yeah. Originally. Yeah. And it's, I, it's, your mindset going into these things can change it so much. So it was, it was the Lone Ranger. Oh, never. The, the new. I've still never seen it. Yeah, I'm oh my gosh. I've been curious. So yeah, it was a, like, I grew up watching the Lone Ranger with my dad. We'd watch the old black and white reruns and I love the character. When the team that did Pirates was doing the Lone Ranger, I was pretty excited. And when I saw it, I was like, meh. I, I think I think what it was that I didn't like initially was that he did a lot of things that were not very Lone Rangery, which was the same reason I hate those new Superman movies. <laughs> but the difference here is that I saw the character grow into from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. He grew into what he should have what he was. So instead of getting that character throughout the whole film, I just got it right at the end. That makes sense. So this time when I watched it, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> That happened with me in the uh, the Fantastic Four movie, the, okay. the, the latest one, the Josh Trank one. The that, one that everyone hates. That everyone nightmare. hates. I was really loving that movie. Like, I didn't watch it when it first came out because I heard horrible things about right, it. me too. And I was just like, I don't have the money to invest in something that everybody's just like hating on so hard. And so, but I watched it just recently for the first time mm -hmm. and I had no expectations going in and I loved the first act and I loved the second act and I think they fell on their face in the third act. Well, it just kind of ended. Yeah. Like, because it didn't really have there was a no, third act. Yeah, it just kind of, <laughs> that that was the problem with like, it. Like, Doctor Doom showed 
up. It and, was really freaking good up to the third act. Yeah. I Yeah, I wasn't quite like... I was uh, like, why? Like, I'm watching it, and I'm going, why is everybody hating this movie so much? And then I got to the third act, and I was like, oh. There it, there it is. I get it. It I was mean, kind of scary. It had sort of like a scary kind of intensity to it when they it got was, their powers. Yeah, it was a very... The guy that did it, doesn't he do like horror movies? He did like one. He he did like an independent chronicle, I think it was. Okay, like it, it was kind of almost a found footage type of movie. Okay, because yeah. I think that was just they were kind of going for a horror movie. Vibe. Yeah, that's what he was going and, for. And yeah. I I was digging it. Which is a weird concept to do with the Fantastic Four of all things. It, I, it is. I could see that it could work as a movie if it was done right, but I feel like they would be. But it was like honestly, if if they had, I watched the what the f happened to this movie thing for it, <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> if if they hadn't had like a lot of the problems that every movie seems to have. Right. And that director seems to be a little off his rock. Full of himself. Yeah. And so if they had, if he had been able to, you know, really finish the film, because I think that's what happened. They got funding pulled and studio the, interference. Yeah. And studio interference. And so, so you just kind of have to cobble together what you got. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's what happened, but I, I, I really liked what he was doing with it. I've only seen it the one time I need to revisit it, but I remember thinking this isn't a horrible nightmare, but at the end you're like, well, that, it's on Disney Plus now. Oh, all right. Well, I might check it out. <laughs> Which is funny. I'm like, ooh, a Fox property on Disney. It's the first of hopefully many. They finally fixed The Simpsons on Disney Plus. Did you notice that? How, no. How do you? Okay. Because I've been watching that. I started before they fix it. And I read all the thing like, and I've been noticing it. But then like I heard that they fixed it and there's somehow you can make it one way or the other. Yeah. How do you do that? There's, there's a setting you go into. It's like you go to the thing where it has all the episodes issued. And then if you pop over... There's a couple tabs at the top and you go over and there's like a settings one and there's an option there. Do you want to watch it in the old school way gotcha. or the check it on my app on my phone? No, I'll so, do that later. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And like, I remember I, I started watching it when it first came out. I'm like, what did they do to this? Well, I don't so understand. Ugly. I didn't listen to it. What did they do? What? Well, they cropped it in. So it was 16 by. Oh, or, yeah. That would ruin so, it. So which cut off a lot of the jokes because there's a lot of sight gags. Yeah, OK. Yeah. And, and the was... resolution wasn't quite there. And so it just looked really garbage. Do you know what's also weird? Like we watch those those classic episodes of Simpsons so much. Like they're so ingrained to me. Oh yeah. But the, watching them on Disney Plus now, like there is like deleted w- deleted scenes and stuff. Like I'm like this did not happen in the broadcast episode yeah. that's been in your brain. Forever. Yeah. Like this is this is entirely new to me. Like it's it's weird. That's funny. Yeah, I, I haven't that. watched enough of them to realize that. But I watched about four episodes with it with my kids the other day. Yeah. And I was just really happy at how much yeah. they were laughing. It's timeless <laughs> stuff. It really works. I'm on like season five right now. And yeah, I'm not that far in. It's so good because like, i couldn't watch it like i watched the first episode before they fixed it and i was like unwatchable to me uh, yeah when you put it that way i'm like i never mind i'm not gonna do it i i was able to get through most of like i mostly noticed it with like you know like the kids like the like the the bottom of the screen is cutting off their face like right in the middle of their eyes or something i'm like yeah. obviously it's supposed to be lower you know that's something that most a lot of people maybe wouldn't notice but as a creative visual artist you're like that's not how you crop an image yeah. <laughs> right you don't run the line across their face like that and those are things like Lori would watch it with me and she, i would point that out she's like oh i didn't, didn't yeah there you go like i don't pay attention and that's what you talk about you nerd mm-hmm. that's us well and they had done a thing because like it's been on for so long that the technology was so radically different. They had done some like filters and stuff to try and kind of clean it up and, and which was fine. But when you zoom in on that, then to fill the whole screen, 
it just it was very artifacty and right. I, I for me it was unwatchable such a good show though oh my gosh it's so funny one of my favorite things like i still i had to like find the episode because i was telling it to Lori last night it was an episode where homer gets the gets his gun <laughs> yeah. you know and, she, and marge is against <laughs> he just it shooting yeah he's shooting the things but then he's at the nra meeting at his house and he shoots his like can't his beer to, to open, open it, it and they're like he's like watch me turn on the tv and he shoots the tv and there's already bullet holes bam 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 the tv goes on and then like it goes to like a western and a guy getting shot and falling off like that's so simple but so brilliant it's so brilliant like it was funny like seasons like three through about nine i think every episode is a work of genius well that's all anyone ever talks about it those no right. one talks about did you see the episode of simpsons last week yeah yeah, it's like still on. It's but still like, on, but I just think of the old ones. Yeah. Like every single episode that's coming up next, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to watch this. It's, it's so exciting. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. I have this theory, and it's probably stupid with The Simpsons, because it's become kind of irrelevant. It's still, it's part of the culture, but it's all the old stuff. I think they should just take, for one last season, just advance the show 10 years. Bart is 20, Lisa's 18, Maggie's 16, and just show them aged and older and just run with it for a season. And if it doesn't work, then at least shut it up. But... <laughs> <laughs> the characters have been 10 years old for 30 years. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that would work. It may not make sense, but I'm like, I kind of like, just run with it. Do something creative. Advance the show 10 years. What would Bart Simpson be at 20 years old? Well, there's several there's a, episodes, future episodes. There's one-offs, <laughs> but just show a long time. Is he going to be kind of a weird loser, drunk, like they kind of portray him sometimes? Or what could they do? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's just a right I, I think doing stuff like that is a good way to get the creative juices going again. Exactly. That's the like idea. The uh, Elseworlds DC Comics are my absolute favorites. Right. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's take... <clears throat> Superman and instead of landing in the middle of nowhere he lands in Gotham and he gets adopted by the Waynes. Is that a story that they yeah. did? What is that it's called? It's called Speeding Bullets. Oh my gosh. That it's sounds interesting. so awesome. So he sees his parents murdered as a kid and then he grows up and realizes he has powers and so he's like this kind of vicious Batman but with Superman's powers. See that's the only thing that interests me in comics anymore. I, I, I can't pick up any comic book that's like these long running ones. X-Men, Spider-Man. Yeah. I just it, like it, the tends, one-offs. it tends to have to be like here's a, a mini series by so and so that's not part of the regular continuity it's just this new one yeah and on occasion they could come up with one that's in the regular one that would be interesting but it's mostly these like this else world this what if what if tale like i don't know i you know i don't get that interested in comics i already know where you're gonna go with this tell me i'm not sure where i'm going with it the batman comic that you recently got oh i didn't even think about that um white knight have you read that i haven't i highly recommend that because it's literally kind of like what we were talking about where they take this artist sean gordon murphy they like here create a however many issues it was because i got the collection four five six issues but he literally got to do anything he wanted in the batman world so he pulled from here's the 89 movie element here's the animated series element here's from the comic and put together his own unique self-contained universe story of batman and i'm like this is the most entertaining thing because it's a guy just doing what he wanted to do right within limits he can't do anything right right, but right. That was amazing. And then he's just finished up the second volume, which I'm going to wait for them to collect. He's working on a third volume. The the, the story is basically like <clears throat> Batman is kind of crazy and stuff like that. Like someone like that would probably will, would be, you know, a little too violent. But like Joker gets cured of his madness. Yeah. 
but okay. he but he still has like the brilliance that Joker has. Okay. So he becomes the hero. Yeah. So he's the okay. guy trying Batman's to. the villain. Yeah. So he's okay. The, I'm 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 totally in. He's the white knight. That's. <laughs> I got it mainly for the art. The artist is amazing. But I'm reading it, and I was also listening to like the soundtrack to Batman, the original movies. Okay. While I'm reading it, I'm like, man, this is so great. This is really good. So I, I if I would have known, I would have brought the book and let you read it. <laughs> I highly recommend it's pretty it. Good. Yeah. So that's that's what we're saying. Like when you get a creator on a book and just let them do what they want to do and leave them kind of unfiltered just let them run with it sometimes you get the best stuff yeah yeah i, do. I wasn't planning to go there that's funny you took me to that place because mm-hmm. that's exactly a perfect example like that was a, a great book there's not many of those that come out anymore there's not many books i'm interested in anymore the the last time that like a main title kind of did a reboot or re like to get new readers and stuff was um new avengers with bendis oh yeah and yeah. david finch like yeah. new avengers disassembled like so i read the disassembled stuff and like you know the avengers enough you know and like oh scarlet witch kills everybody and now there's a brand new team and this time it has wolverine and spider-man and luke cage and whoever yeah you know and that started like a great run of books that i was reading that's the seeds of the marvel universe really yeah. in a lot of ways it is and then that plus the ultimates version you mean the cinematic universe oh that's what i mean yeah i apologize yeah, yeah the cinematic marvel avengers kind of start from those two series yeah anyway good stuff yeah like comic books like i don't read anymore which sucks yeah because that's the medium i want to work in but you're looking for something to interest you and there's just yeah i was i mean i I used to get my comics at night flight and i would spend 20 bucks like every week didn't read a single one like i'd look through them you know especially like some of the art and that i'd like but as soon when that store closed i was just like i'm done getting comic books like maybe i'll pick up i don't want to pick up a trade and stuff i'm like maybe i just need to look at more independent stuff right you know instead of the typical big two yeah i've been re- when it comes to comics i've been reading a lot of um more like the graphic novel stuff where it's just one story that they're telling they're not trying to do something that just goes on forever um, and a lot of it's published by Scholastic is just really good stuff, which is interesting. There's one book I still collect. I mean, I was collecting Invincible by Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley, right. but they ended it. And then I was getting Matt Wagner's Mage series, the third series, the third collection, which was good, but it ended. It was finite. I'm still collecting The Savage Dragon by Eric Larson. Oh. And it's like a long, unbroken line to my childhood from 92, I think. He's still doing it, and I still get it. And it's not quite the same as it was when it started, but it's still interesting. And occasionally he'll shock you and surprise you. So that's the one <laughs> book on my poll. I think I'm the only guy at the shop that collects it, which is kind of the story for everyone on Savage Dragon. There's one person who reads it. But it's great. That's the last book. I'm just waiting for something else to come out. The, it has to be a creative person that I like. Like there's an issue, a single issue of Hellboy coming out drawn by Adam Hughes. Oh, I'm getting that. And I don't um, know how much you like him. <laughs> he's so great. He's the best artist in the history of ever. So... Yeah, but it has to be the right creative team that you like. And um, so many of the guys that I like are either doing stuff I don't care about or not doing anything. Like Mark Silvestri? Mark Silvestri. He's had a Batman issue miniseries in the works for years now. It's got to be done, but there's a news story out that he's waiting to get a better financial deal. So he's just not letting him do it. Oh, weird. He wants the deal that Greg Capullo gets. Well, Greg Capullo produces consistent quality work all the time. When was the last time Mark Silvestri did? Oh, yeah, that was the last time I actually picked up a new book and read it for a while. (laughs) Was what? The Batman Greg Capullo Scott Snyder stuff. Yeah, that was amazing. Successful. I haven't picked up any like regular running thing for a really long time i just wait for the trades and buy those yeah yeah and the last one i picked up was uh i bought all four um 
<laughs> I bought all four trade paperbacks of I Hate Fairyland. Scotty. That's, that's the one you were showing yeah, the last time I was Scotty, here. Scotty, uh, what's his, Scotty Young? Yeah. 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 It's uh, like, it's done in like the Care Bear style, but it's like ultra violent, like the stuff you guys did. It's so amazing. That's a great combination. I mean, I, I hear stuff all the time of like, random books and like independent publishers and comics that I should get. And last time I was in a comic book store was to meet Jim Lee. That was fun. That was fun. You, you didn't get I to couldn't, go. I couldn't make it. You wanted to go. I right? wanted to go, but it, I couldn't make it happen. I, I probably could have made it happen, but it was like, uh, it's not Frank Cho. So it's not Frank Cho. <laughs> oh man. I was glowing after doing that. Meeting Jim Lee. Yeah, you didn't even tell him that you were an artist. I just, I was like, hi, sir. Thank you. And then walked off and I'm like, that was great. And John's over there like, well, we draw and you were the major inspiration for that. And he's like, you guys keep that up. That's awesome. I wanted to be like, you're a little fella. He is a little fella. He's a short man. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah. I wonder how much he makes. I wonder what his net worth is. Oh my gosh, he's millions a millionaire. Millions. His artwork sells for thousands of dollars. Like new stuff. Yeah. He'll create it and it's on to auction off for thousands of dollars. Yeah. Somewhere between five and ten. How would that be? You just sit down, he's like ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Here's a drawing of Wolverine, ten thousand dollars. Took him a long time to be able to get that, you know. <laughs> well, he put in the time. Well he got in at the right time. Well, that's for sure. That, that was that was the time. Right place, right time. Right place, right time. Because like, I don't even really know any new. Who are the new people doing stuff? Well, that's what they talk about in comics a lot. Like um, the their guys online, the cartoonist Kayfabe. I know you've heard of them. I don't think you follow them. I don't know if you hear of them. But there are a couple comic artists who taught, who grew up as teenagers reading books like we did in the early 90s. And they talk a lot about how there's just not this excitement in the industry of comics. Like the artist creating an exciting thing. It's It's... Just yeah. no one cares. No one thinks about it. There's a few one-offs here and there, but everything else is kind of just quiet. No one, there's no interest for it. Yeah, like any, yeah. Like, like, Ryan Otley's the, the newest person I know of. Yeah. And that, he, I, that he, I can think of. He's off drawing Spider-Man and I'm just not interested in reading Spider-Man. Yeah. So I don't follow him anymore. I read volume one of, uh, what was it? The one you mentioned. The, the Invincible. 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 Oh, that's a great series. I read volume one and I really liked it. I just never got around to reading the others. I've got pretty much everything except the last issue, which my com- the comic shop failed to get. So I didn't get to read the resolution to the entire story. <laughs> so I was a little frustrated. I that's did what get you to... base for. And you'd think I'd go online and find it, but I just have it. But well, I the book. you know, it <laughs> takes you forever to do that. Because like I had a mostly complete, but missing, but I had a bunch of holes in it uh, of the Max mm-hmm. series. Yeah. And like I read through it and I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one to get. I, well, with holes in it, it's even worse. Right. It's like, I, I don't get it. And so I finally, it took me like two months. I got all the holes filled and then I read through it again. I'm like, oh, there. I, I think you talked about this one. I get it. Are. I get it. Yep. I see what I missed. That's a weird That was one. a pretty big thing to miss. Yeah. That. That's why it didn't make sense. <laughs> and like very few of the like the good artists that we really like, it's rare that they do any kind of like sequential work, you know? Yeah, like, they're just Fr- a cover artist. Frank Cho does some stuff and he's doing his fight girls and I'll get that. I'll pro- I'll wait for the trade yeah. for that one. But like, you know, I talked to J. Scott Campbell at a convention once right. after I peed next to him. <laughs> you met him in the restroom and you're yeah. standing next to him, right? Yeah. I wanted to say something like, this is weird. <laughs> 
but but I you know I got something signed and I asked him like man like Danger Girl you know that's still one of my favorite comic book stories right. like one of the funnest I've ever seen and artistically that was just so perfect like if you did that like it would be like the most perfect thing in the world and like if he did more if, like, yeah if he did, if he did another like sequel and he's like yeah we've talked about it and you know just finding the time and whatever you know and I'm like he's just wrapped up in cover artists because he gets paid amazingly and why would why not just do that i just get to draw hot girls for thousands of dollars and yeah a comic book is a major investment of time and effort absolutely and it, I, it's all i want to see he, scott campbell travis Share. yeah when was the last time he did something he does like four pages every six years <laughs> adam hughes was supposed to do that uh wonder woman book he was just taking so long he did produce a bunch of it but it was taking so long and then the whole all-star line just collapsed anyway so that wasn't going to be the most amazing book ever all-star wonder woman by adam hughes there's nothing more I would more interested in and yeah, it'll never see the light of day. The stuff that I think a lot of the stuff that's like the consistent creators are all doing just their own stuff online now that yeah. just because nobody wants to work for the big publishers or. But you could find so many people like I think the future of things like this might possibly be in just like people just crowdfunding their own thing. Yeah, I think that's where it's going. Like that guy that I know, Isaac Bell, he did a kickstarter in may he asked for five thousand dollars and he was saying he didn't think he'd hit that goal he was like are we even going to make that goal he made it in like 10 minutes oh, wow. and ended at 30 plus thousand dollars yeah, and so he's producing his own book yeah and he's got tons of money and i'm like why do anything else except that if you have that kind of following like right, he's right. built up his audience over the years yeah yeah that's the thing how do you build that audience i don't get it well you have to be like he, he's in a position where he can do nothing but draw all day that's and true. produce all day and put it online all day and then he gets up with his fiance who's an amazing artist herself and then they combine their efforts she's a colorist and then they go to conventions they just travel the country going to conventions creating content and don't have to fit it in between their normal job he's in a position somehow to just create and just build it up and he's but he's also found his audience he's he's hooked that early 90s image artist mindset that hyper detailed Stephen Platt Rob Liefeld Extreme Studios art style but in a more contemporary way that's his audience and they love it there you go he's got a comic book he's making money at it lucky guy <laughs> yeah like I'm I'm gearing up to do another Kickstarter for my current comic book but to put it in a trade paperback but to get it colored since okay. it's in black and white and my buddy is like gonna be part of it and he's gonna be coloring it but you know he needs to be paid right. too and like I need to do at least three thousand dollar Kickstarter just to pay him off yeah and that's gonna like but the, like, I'm worried, like, I'm not going to hit that because I did a couple of Kickstarters for my first issue and I got like 2100 bucks when I wanted 1500 But that was, you know, a lot of friends and family. And right. Like, you know, I'm like. You have to sell yourself. You have to push yourself. And that's a big investment of time. Like, you have to constantly have it out there and yeah. networking. And Some people are very good at it. Mm -hmm. I am not one of them. Yeah. Otherwise, you can create the best thing in the world. But if you don't have anybody looking at it, what's the point, you know? I, I back, like... I back Kickstarters every now and then, you know, just like, eh, give me a digital copy or give me like a physical copy. I'll throw you like 15, 20 bucks here and there. Sure. But like, man, so many of them are just not, not very good. And like the art, like they get like a good cover artist and stuff, but then like the interior art is just not that well done either. But there's so many people that like do the, uh, 
what is like the TNA kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that just like, and they get so much money off of it. Yeah. You know, like they do some like scandalous art, you know, where like girls in really tight, you know, revealing clothes and stuff like that. And they're just like, it sells. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like how much that they're getting and stuff and how much of a following some of these guys have, which of- makes me want to like, I want to do a, like an experiment. Like, Am I going to have like a naughty cover or something like that? You know, like I don't want to do that, you know, but I'm like, I wonder like if I put some more adult content, if it would sell more. Well, I think a lot of it, a lot of people just do like a bunch of pinups and stuff, but I like the idea of what we're doing is we're producing a book to read that has story and structure and characters. And so many artists are out there that are successful, like Instagram artists, thousands of followers and making money with commissions. They just do single pinup pages, Mm -hmm. single images, which is fun, but I want to have a story to read. I'm with you. comic artist and a storyteller and i don't know it's hard i, to get I don't people think of that. i don't think of my, my art doesn't come to me in in images if when i try to sit down and do like just a cool piece of art my poses are boring my just yeah you know like i can uh, but until but then when i do it in a story i can come up with cool angles and you get that motor running well i think robert you're really good at just like doing a pinup and doing like a, a unique or fun creative way to just like doing a pose and stuff like that like whenever i just try and do a pose it's like person standing there you know but if i'm thinking of it in like a story context or a comic book, like you were saying, I can do more stuff. I'm like, this is how it would be. But I'm like, what do I do for a pinup? I don't know. They're just standing there looking cool. Yeah, it's hard to do a pinup and make it visually interesting because everyone does that. Yeah, I'm well, and I've I've got a lot of friends that are like like fantasy artists, and I see the stuff they output, and I'm like, how do you just do a character that's just being there, being cool, yeah. and have such interesting poses and such interesting because when i i'm the same way if i try to just do a cool image that's just an image for no other reason than to make a cool image it's just really static yep i've gotten to the point even like just them standing there i have a hard time i have to like google something (laughs) just to get an idea of like i just need a person standing there i'm like oh there you go i used to be better at it and i think i started using google too much you know like researching and getting reference where i don't can't just do it out of my head as much as i used to well then you got to draw the character in a pose that you can't find a reference for so yeah that's that's annoying have you seen like we're part of like these uh facebook art groups and stuff like that and you know everyone's trying to like make money and like you know commission me to do this and that and like they give their prices for their work and a lot of times it's like dude you're asking that much Mm -hmm. to get something but everyone charges like almost double for like their covers you know like if you want to do sequential pages like you know that's 80 bucks but if you want to cover it's 150 yeah and i never quite understood that because, that seems backwards to me right yeah. it seems because they're like the cover is like the thing that needs to grab people's attention needs to like put all your work into it and all your heart and passion and more detail and all that kind of stuff i'm like i love doing the covers of my comic book you know it's like because then i have an idea and it's just one image i don't have to think of multiple or the sequential part of it you know i'm like i love doing the covers and like it would just be the same amount for me but these guys are like no oh, like you have to you have to well, do it I, I think a lot of it comes from the professional artists like the fans want you what do i want the page from x-men that's like eight panels and a bunch of storytelling or do i want the cover with wolverine charging into omega red i want that one so it's got a higher value so it sells for more so i think a lot of people like well that cover is it's the cover so it's worth more even though it took me an eighth of the time 
Right. You know what I'd, I mean? I'd rather have a really cool page personally. Um, yeah. I mean, if I, if I had the money to collect that kind of stuff, more original art, because I've got some original stuff in here, but I'd like more. And, uh, but I, I did that. I went, I went around one comic con and I was just looking at original stuff from guys that are working in the field. And I was, I was finding cool pages, but it was all way beyond what I could afford. Right. Even, even the local guy that just does Archie comics, I couldn't even afford his pages. <laughs> Some people can set prices and people will pay it. That's the thing. That's amazing. That's a, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> Indeed. There was, there's one guy who does a web comic that I follow and he was talking about how a lot of people have gone to just all digital work and they don't mm-hmm. even do the traditional stuff anymore. And he's like, that would cut a third of my business if I did that. Cause people want original. Cause I sell the original pages. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's kind of, that's one part of the reason I like to just keep the, I'd, who, what do you, what would you rather have a printout of a Jack Kirby original or the actual page he touched? Absolutely. The you know what I mean? But I get the appeal of digital cause endless supplies, all kinds of tools that right. never, I, I went digital like, in January, I just like broke down and bought myself like a new iPad with the like the Apple Pencil and everything like right. that using the Procreate. And I've like tripled my output of like what I can do because, mm-hmm. you know, just with the with a job and, you know, life and stuff like that. Sometimes for me, finding time to like sit down and draw was really hard. And, you know, even when you have the time, it's like, oh, am I in the mood, you know, to like sit down in my my desk and pump something out. But just having an iPad, like I could, I actually brought it with me. I could be doodling right here. Right. You can you do know. it anywhere you need. Yeah. And I've done that. Like and, I've taken and I over. totally understand that. I don't like, I don't like what my digital inks look like. Really? Yeah. I tried digital inking over my pencils and I just, I wasn't happy well, with it. And my thing was, is like, I always have, I've never enjoyed inking. Like I'm, I've never, like I've tried d- different kind of pens. I've even at one point tried the, the paint and the, the, like the, the brush and the, what do you call it? Quill pen? Yeah. The nibs. The Crow quill. Yeah. Yep. I, I've tried that, all that kind of stuff and I just like can't get into it because I'm like, I've already drawn this. Like my creative part is that like I've already gotten it on I the understand page that. and, and that's what I'd like to do. So like. Which is why my pencils are so loose. <laughs> yes. I mean, my pencils are crazy loose. I keep my pencils loose and then I really enjoy inking over them. Yeah. But I enjoy inking more now digitally because of it. Okay. You know, like. And I can understand that. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I've tried it and it just doesn't work for me. But I do, I do all my coloring digitally well actually i've gotten really good with markers lately too but uh i I really i enjoy coloring now i used to hate it yeah it it, how did people used to like color a comic like in the 90s or or however like how how were how were comics colored well in the 90s the 90s is when they went digital well they do it by hand they they had color separates they color it by hand because i was part of a facebook group that they're selling like the colors the original hand created colors that then i guess they scan it and then enhance in the computer oh okay like so a lot of these jim lee pages they're done by it looks like by markers it's the same colors yeah, it would be like copic markers something like that but then they're putting in the computer and it's however they do it color separation so to say you know well color separation is just what it's it's a process it's it's part of the printing process you you still have to do color separations with digital stuff now you yeah. just, you're just doing it digitally it's the old school process yeah, for, yeah. for getting the colors ready but you would start with a color image so yeah probably like doing, hand done yeah, it's funny I'll markers have to show and you those, John. just mind-boggling like <laughs> yeah how well, did people survive did i tell you about day? that guy's house that i went to and he had all these like original comic art all over in his basement i think so so i it was this local 
group of artists that I'm friends with and they were doing a thing where you could go visit the, their different studios. And I went to one guy's studio and he's like, hey, have you been over to, to Gary's house? And I'm like, well, no. And I wasn't planning on going to Gary's house because I got to go pick my wife up from the airport. And so from here, I was going straight to the airport. And he's like, no, you need to stop at Gary's house. <laughs> like, okay, I'll stop at Gary's house because it was right around the corner. So I go to Gary's house and when I get there, there was nobody else there. So it was just me and my kids there. And I walked in the door and I could see all of his paintings on the wall in his studio. And it was like Western and like landscape and stuff. Not really something I'm into. But I noticed in his office off to the side, he had an original alley-oop comic strip. I'm like, can I just go take a look at that? And he's like, oh, you like comics? I'm like, I I make comics. So that's, that's really my, that's my cup of tea. That's what I like. He's like, all right, you and I are going down to the basement. (laughs) And he had, he had original Red Rider comics. He had original uh, Alley-Oop. He had original Pogo. He had. These like comic strips, like old, like the, old stuff. The old stuff, and it was actually the actual art. The it was it wasn't prints. It was the originals. Oh, he had one that was he had uh, Little Nemo in uh, Dreamland, which was like from the twenties, and it they they uh, in the twenties comics is what sold newspapers, and so they would be full page color spreads, and so the originals are huge. Wow! And so he had these things all framed. He had Frank Frazetta's. Stuff on the walls, like um, I would die to see some. Oh my gosh, he had so much. I like spent forever down there. He's like, oh, I can hear some people go upstairs. I gotta go do my hosting duties, and I'm like, he's like, stay as long as you want. Oh man! (laughs) And so once he was gone, my camera came out, and I was everything. And uh, I saw that he had a Red Rider comic in the corner, and my dad's a huge Red Rider fan. So you stole it? No, (laughs) no, but. I, when I went upstairs, I said, hey, I saw the Red Rider uh, comic in the corner. He's like, oh, yeah, the original Red Rider artist did that for me. It was a birthday uh, card from him to me. He's like, I said, well, my, my dad's a huge Red Rider fan. And he's like, well, let me show you something. And he took me over into that other little office that I had originally saw the, saw the comic in. And he goes, you've seen A Christmas Story, right? I'm like, of course. Everybody's seen A Christmas Story. He's like, I've so, never seen A Christmas Story. So... <laughs> We didn't, grow, we didn't grow up with it, yes, but I have seen it. So so he's like, so in the beginning scene when they're looking in the store window and there's all the Red Rider art, like the big standee with Red Rider and everything selling, he's like, I did all that artwork. And when they were doing that, they were going to make uh, a Red Rider comic that was going to go in the newspapers. And so I did this story for him and he pulled out originals. He had all these and, and he flipped through them and he pulled one out and he says, I think you should have this one. No. And he handed it to me. It's right there. But yeah, that was that was so incredible getting to see all that original stuff. I like I couldn't I was like everywhere I looked and he had like stuff just layers and layers just stacked against the wall. It was all framed. And I was just like where did you get all this? Right. And he's like, well, I started collecting when, um, I was doing some work for this guy and he's like, I've come into some financial hardships. I can't pay you. I don't have the money, but I do have this collection of original comic art that I could hand over to you. And that's how it started. And then from there, he just went gangbusters and got that's like awesome. all kinds of stuff. 
but that was a fun evening. Uh, it sounds like let it. Let me tell you. Right? Like the Frank Frazetta stuff blew me away because it was like, it was even, it was, it was the, uh, it was some Frank Frazetta comics because he, he did some comics too, not just paintings. And then yeah. he also had some like prelim art, some like s- sketches of paintings that I've seen. Sure. So it's like, I know that painting and this is just kind of his thumbnail Him of it. working out yeah. details. Yeah. It was, I think it was even a Conan one, one of his Conan. That stuff has got to be really expensive. Right? You would think. Yeah, that was good times. That sounds like great times. Well, one of these days, our He-Man stuff is going right. to be talked about yeah. by somebody in like this. <laughs> sure, I hope. <laughs> you know what I look forward to is like my, I imagine my boys. I got two little boys. They're eight and five when they're 40 years old and looking at the stuff that daddy did mm-hmm. years ago. And just what, what are they going to think of it? What does this mean to them? You know what I mean? I think that's kind of interesting. Who knows what my children will think. Well, what are you going to work on next, Robert? Well, that's, um, well, so I was going to, it's funny you mentioned, I was going to say, you got to talk about, you, you've got your comic, Bliss, that you've done five issues of. Right. So I've recently drawn what will be the sixth issue yeah. for you. Well, I mean, for you, like, I, I, I kind of lobbied to do it. I'm like, I want to do this because <laughs> it's a redraw of a 24-hour comic that you did years ago. Yeah. I've still never done that. It's it, worth doing if you got the endurance for it. I, I did it like <clears throat> six or seven years in a row and i have like actual full you know the art is questionable especially now i mean it's it's dated but plus like you know a 24 pay you know 24 hour comic yeah it starts falling apart it was it was this one that he's talking about was my very very first one okay and it was a storyline that i wrote when i was like i went through like a breakup like the first real relationship that i had where i was just in love with this girl and it ended and i just took it hard like you know i was early 20s or early to mid 20s yeah you know and i just like i had like my characters that are in my current comic book now like i never gave up those kind of characters but i made like put them in this situation where like the main guy is he's fighting vampires for whatever reason you know just just for me to draw something as you do right (laughs) but uh the girl she shows up and she fights him with him but then he it's his internal monologue like there's no word bubbles except one time but it's all just like it's his thoughts it's his thoughts in word boxes not thought balloons gotcha and he's just like he's just thinking about her and like the relationship and it was just me putting all my emotions and my feelings onto the page and that's how i like kind of was able to deal with it at the time well i read it years ago and i'm like this is really good because it's got the fantastical element, but it's got a real human touch to it that you can really relate to. And I, I've always thought this for years. I was like, I don't mean to sound, I don't want to sound rude by saying I want to redraw your story, but can I redraw that? We'll keep the exact dialogue. We're not changing the story one bit. I'm going to keep your layouts and your basic design, but I want to redraw it because I want to be part of this. And I eventually brought it up and he was okay with it. And so I just basically redrew his book that he did years ago. And now we've worked it in for you to have the issue of your series. Right. Cause he was just going to have it and we were going to like print it up. I was like, you know, I've stopped. I stopped doing my comic, but I kind of want to keep it going because I have fans. He does. <laughs> I have like two or three fans, you know, like somebody who comes every convention and like, oh, the next issue of Bliss is out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, it is. Here, here it is. Um, so I kind of like I can't I can't fail those fans. Yeah. <laughs> those three or four people. So I was like, oh, we can make this the next the next issue. So it's it. I kind of had a 
we added a couple more pages to kind of make it fit in a weird way of what I'm currently doing. Gotcha. But uh, I'm excited for people to read it. I, I legitimately like this, like it's touching and in a way it's very believable and real. And I'm like, I think people are going to like it a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're, you got a great story and I did the best I could do with my art. So I think it'll look neat. Yeah. I remember like when I did it, like the people I was doing it through Nightfly Comics. They were the one putting on the uh, right the twenty four hour thing, and they were scanning everybody's thing and like they were putting them into a collection at the library that people okay. could check out or whatever. But like they were scanning it and they're like, John, this is really touching. Like it almost made some of them cry or get kind of emotional and stuff. Yeah, it's like, good. It'll be interesting to read. I think people will like it. So that'll be out there. We'll both have that on our tables when whenever the next convention happens, which probably not this year, being real. I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So I'll have it because it's my art and you'll have it because it's your story. But I'm excited for that. And then I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do next. I think I know. But So I've got, I did my webcomic until the site broke and then I just kind of stopped doing it because I couldn't post them, right? But I've recently, I've reformatted them and I've been putting them on Instagram. I've seen those, yeah. And so I'm going to start working. I've got a whole script that written up for a whole second volume. I think that's how much it would take. And uh, I, I actually started writing it. But the way I tell my story is it's the characters that are in their role-playing game and then it shows them in real life. And when they're in their role-playing game, I try to mimic kind of a style that fits the story. So my my first volume, that was like a fantasy role-playing game. In my second one, it's a superhero role-playing game. And it's kicking my butt because I'm having to draw these like city scenes oh. and, and stuff. And so I've only got like two pages done. Um, but I think I, I just got to the page where they break back into real life. And so then I can go back to my normal art style. I won't be kicking my butt. Yeah, that stuff can be difficult. It's an investment of time. <laughs> <laughs> to do it but it's so worth it when you get it done oh i know i know completed work and, and when you yes. print a book and then you can hand a book to someone and they can look at that book read what i did it's not a single image like i was saying here is a pen and paper. oh that's great i have a story to tell i did um there's a group here that meets every month until recently <laughs> that it's called creative collaborative and they started doing like a show and tell once a year they're like just bring something that represents your art and then you can just show it with all the other artists that come to this thing and you can get to to know each other. I mean, it's just a networking meeting anyway, but this was a way to really, usually they bring a speaker in to talk about living the art lifestyle. And, um, but they do this show and tell once a year. And so I took my comic as one of my pieces with me. And the most satisfying thing was like this, like, I don't know, eight year old girl that read the whole comic twice. <laughs> <laughs> while That's we were great. sitting there. That's great. When you get somebody who's like, this is interesting. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. What else, John? Did we forget anything? I think we kind of covered all the bases of what we were. Yeah. Basically we just wanted to talk about, this is kind of a shameless plug, self-promotion. Well, we like that. It's a passion project we've been working on forever and it's, I, here's the funny thing. I keep saying it's coming It's coming to a close. Like, we're wrapping up the main story. What's ironic, is, as John knows, is I have still got tons of stories for this He-Man fan comic that I've thumbnailed out and drawn for another... I don't know. It keeps going. It goes into some really fun places, and I really want to do it, but it's such an investment of time. I guess we'll see. But but we've, we've got this first collection. Like, it's like a... 
I don't know, it's, I don't know, like a big movie kind of thing or a big event. Like it's, it's a story with a beginning and an end, but it leaves it open to go farther, but it's a, a pretty complete story. Yeah, it's almost like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, like the third movie, you know, is coming <laughs> out, you know. Yeah. And it, it's ending. And I mean, like we said, it's it's been something we've been doing forever. And sometimes we look back, uh, like what what is amazing is that I think our art holds up. You know, from like when we started 10 plus years ago. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like when I first read that, I didn't know that it was stuff that was drawn that long ago. Yeah. That first issue, especially I redid two or three pages recently, but the majority of the very first issue is all 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So I was there. There are things here and there that I'm like, man, that's really bad. But here's the thing. I, I've found some of my art recently that was like from high school and I was looking at it. I'm like, I don't know if I could even do that today. Yes. We've had that conversation. I see something I did 15, 20 years ago. I'm like, how did I do that? That was, I couldn't do that now. Right. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I know that if 20 year old me could see what I'm doing now, I 20 year old me would be like, that looks so much better, but yeah, it's weird. What's funny is, you know, we talk about this book and about how it was, you know, a continuation of the He-Man cartoon and it's more mature themes and, you know, updated style and stuff like that. And you have to watch the old cartoon to really enjoy this. And it's called Master's End. Kevin Smith is producing. A, Are you aware of this? I've heard. He, he's producing a He-Man cartoon. What is it? I think it's called Revelations. The original title had the end had the word end in it like ours i can't remember what it said but they changed it to i think it's revelations but it was basically a continuation of the old co- it's cartoon. a continuation of the 80s cartoon done in a more adult realistic not realistic but like more brutal style with some hardcore animation continuing the story with the final battle between he-man and skeletor i'm like that's exactly what we're doing <laughs> we we did it 10 years ago yes this is our idea i would actually like to like kevin smith has come to salt lake before and like met fans out i want to be able to have that collection be like well here's ours yeah and go read it please sir well because i talked to kevin like i talked to kevin smith once like you answered a, you gave yeah a question, he does right? his q and a's and stuff okay, yeah. you know and Wait, he was here in salt lake yeah, yeah. He, he was here in salt lake and he this is how i do it and i just happen to be the first person to ask a question i forget something about his podcast and stuff like that but at the time man if i would have known if i would have had that i would like i would have said that yeah uh it's kind of a it, i'm interested to watch it i'm profoundly interested to watch this show but i'm like it's our idea we were doing this oh well it being a direct continuation of the 80s cartoon, it's kind of like everything I've always wanted to see. This is why we're doing this book, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's these things like on occasion, rarely they're going to produce something that's exactly what you want. And sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it's horrible, like Star Trek Picard. I haven't watched it yet. Don't. Well, do. And then you can come back and we can talk about what a mighty horrible failure it was. The the, the most amazing, the best part of that show is yep. the first 10 minutes, even one minute. One like, there's a, there's a flashback and it shows the Enterprise D and they're in ten forward and Picard, Picard and Data talking are talking Data. and I was like, like oh my gosh oh, I'm so happy it's like a warm blanket you pull over okay. so snugly and happy Ooh. and it it just dropped and then I'm like they're gonna nail it at the end they're gonna get it in the last episode they're gonna bring it together and they could not have missed the dunk harder it was so horrible I'm like I used to be like who can they bring back in season two they can bring back all these other characters and like I don't want them to ruin anybody I think Q would show up. And be like, yeah, humanity has turned into exactly what I said you were in the very first pilot episode. You're a savage child race, and you all need to be obliterated. And he should do it. Snap it out of existence. <laughs> Just end the show. 
But what would they make Hugh into? They would they would ruin him. They would ruin everything. They've ruined it. I hate to be that guy. I really don't like being like, I don't like this new version of it. But they that's not Picard. Well, they, they ruined the potential for what this show was. <sighs> like, you know, Star Trek Discovery came, like, there's the reboots. And you can, you, fine. Know, you know, has their ups and downs. Then had Star Trek Discovery, which you like more than I do. I enjoy it. I could see the problem. They have, they kind of varying degrees of success, but it's kind of its own thing. I like it. But then Star Trek Picard, like Patrick Stewart's coming back. He's good. Like that, it was like the best, because we've often talked about like, what if they rebooted, like they reboot everything. They reboot yeah. Full House. That's or like doing these br- days. Well, yeah. they bring back Full House with the original cast. Like they should do it with Star Trek. They should. Next Generation. Oh my gosh, they are. Picard, They're doing it. Pat- Patrick Stewart. Can anything get better? Yeah, a lot can get better. Yeah, but. well we decided we got together every week to watch it. We've never done this. We're going to get together. We're going to make a nice dinner. We're going to watch it as a group. We're so excited. And then you watch the first one like, okay. And then the second one like, okay. Man, when is it going to turn into something that we recognize? Okay. It never did. That's a bummer. It's horrible. It became violent, like unnecessarily violent and okay. stuff like that. And then, well, that's my wife's biggest complaint right now is like when she's trying to find something to watch, everything's MA. Everything. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, there's a place for that, but not everything has to be that. Star I Trek feel like. could go there on occasion, but they did it with like, here's a reason and a point and a moral. And, but this, so I heard somebody refer to it as murder Trek. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that exactly what our He-Man thing is? It's murder He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, maybe we're hypocritical, but... We're at least trying to stay sort of true to the characters. Yeah, they, they totally went... Like, Picard would never have done half the things. And you can say, like, he matured. I like that This word. man has seen everything. He's done everything. He's a... Even if he was in a bad place... I, I, I could go on. I don't want it to turn into a thing. I was so mad. I'm, I, the more I think about it, the more frustrated I get. I, I understand the feeling, because that's where I was with the new Superman stuff. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's... But you know, in the but that but that but that Superman is at least a different Superman. It's a different universe. It's a different. This is still Picard. It's the same it, actor. It's like if it was Christopher Reeves, they brought him back and made that. Christopher Not the Reeves. first one they did. The Superman Returns. That was. Oh well, yeah. Okay, I see. That is kind of supposed to be the same guy. That's supposed so. to be. Yeah, but you know what's a good ver- a good example? Like they can do these things correctly. Uh, Cobra Kai. Oh yeah, I haven't watched it yet. That's do good. you like Karate Kid? Yes, I do. Please like watch Karate Cobra Kid. Kai. It's gonna be on Netflix. They just decided they're gonna put. They took it off YouTube and they're gonna do season three. So they put all three. You will not be disappointed. Okay. It's got new characters, which I'm slightly less interested in, but they're still good. But they have the original guys, and they've changed and they've grown, but it's still them. That's cool. It's a hundred percent worth it. I'm looking forward to uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh yeah. Oh, I really hope they nail it. <laughs> Kevin Smith cried. I heard him say that. But yes. To be fair. He cries at everything. <laughs> to be honest, he cries at everything. <laughs> so he does cry at everything. <laughs> yeah. It can be good. So no, it, it, what I mean is like they can take these characters and bring them back. You heard about Michael Keaton? Yes. I was just listening to a Kevin Smith podcast on the drive to your house. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, this could be amazing. They might miss it. They might screw it up, but if I, but it, to me, it's only interesting if it's that same version. Is this the Michael Keaton Batman from the 89 Batman and whatever they do with him, it's still got to be that same guy. Right. Not just Michael Keaton playing Batman, but not the same one from the 89 movie. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Otherwise, why bother? Well, they, right. they should have put him in the, they should make a Batman Beyond movie. This with could Ma- segue. With Michael Keaton. As it's a Flashpoint old, movie, I've, right? I've heard that yeah. said before. It's a Flashpoint, which is supposed to be like crisis altering universe things so yeah flash goes 
back in time to save his mom messes up the timeline and oh, creates okay. creates a new version. That's that's what kicked off the whole new fifty two where all of DC I, I didn't changed. Read any of that? I didn't either. I mean, it was it was another kind of like Elseworlds book. Okay, uh, it, almost like this like a, a different universe, which was kind of interesting because Batman in that universe in the Flashpoint universe was Thomas Wayne. Oh, okay. Because in that version, Bruce Wayne got killed. Okay. The child. So he kind of went crazy and became a Batman. And Martha yeah. Wayne became the Joker. Martha. Oh. He became a version of Joker. <laughs> but like Superman was, um, you know, he was captured immediately when he landed or something. So he was put into this like government program, government program, but like where they stifled him. So he was like really skinny and in a prison cell and stuff like that. Wonder woman, like Themyscira and Atlantis were at war with each other. All that, all that kind okay. of stuff. It, there, there's a, there's Sounds an animated version. I could, of it. I could read that. There, there's also an animated version of it. Okay. You know, which is, which isn't too bad. But I can't I can't see how they're going to do all that in this Flashpoint movie. But I am excited for the Snyder Cut. I still haven't I just, seen uh, Justice League at all, so I don't know. I need to watch it and then watch the Cluster F that will be the Snyder <laughs> Cut and see if it's any better. I, I uh, yeah, I'm like I'm so uninvested from the DC movies, yeah. which is it's hard for me because I'm a DC guy. It'll come back. It'll go in waves. I know it does. So and, and that's the other thing is like the current stuff that comes out. I watch it and then I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of movies, have you heard what the movie theaters are opening up? What movies are putting back in the theaters? Like old stuff. Yeah. Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm like, I want to go to the movies. Yeah. I've seen Ghostbusters a million times, but I've never seen it on the big screen. I'll go see that. Oh, yeah. I was like a little kid when it came out. I remember watching the ads on TV yeah. and being so excited about it and telling my uncle and he like got slimed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I uh, I think they're. I don't know if they're required to wear masks, but I think they suggested. But I'll go. I mean, I'm I'm on board. I want to go see some. I mean, I like the movie theater experience. You see a lot of people are like, well, I'll just wait a few extra months and use my big 70. Stream it at home. And you just know? watch it in your home. I'm which... like, I, I get it. I get it too, but I also love the theater experience. I do. Like sometimes, like when movies were, you could go see any movies. I would go see a movie I wasn't quite interested. I'm like, I kind of want him interested in this just so I can go to the movies, you know, just so I can well, sit down uh, in a theater with popcorn. I can't like afford that. that sound system. Right. Yes. That's right? part of the experience. I'm I'm such a sound snob. Yeah. And, and, and I own up to it. When you're in that room, that, that sells part I mean, of it. I've so. got a good sound system. I've got three surround sound systems in this house. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I've got enough equipment probably to set up a fourth if I felt like it. <laughs> but um, just those, I, I don't have the money to put something like that together. Yeah. I do, like... One of my friends, the guy who got me into Dungeons and Dragons, he has like a projector in his basement, you know, with a nice surround sound. And, you know, it's a big wall and he was able to do it. And we watched uh, Interstellar and that was fun, yeah. you know, just to yeah. watch something like so that. I, so I found a projector at the DI for 15 bucks right before they shut everything down. And so I've got one really big blank wall in my house and that's in my bedroom upstairs. <laughs> and so funny. I've got it hooked up on the other side of the wall. I bought a little sound bar for it, even though I'm a sound snob and I'm not into the whole sound bar life. I was just like, oh, okay, well, something. this is just to play with. Yeah. And, and the picture's huge because I've got the room for it and it's just fun. Does it look good? It actually looks pretty good. Okay. It's not like, it's not an HD image, but it's a little bit higher quality than a 
DVD image. Got okay. So yeah, I'm just curious, like how could it? Yeah, it it like even getting close to like, like I played video games and stuff on it. Like I, we played Halo on it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this and this is an old projector. Yeah, and it took me like twelve different ways of figuring out how to feed a new signal into yeah. it. This guy spent like a few hundred bucks because it's on it's not a it doesn't have HDMI in, <laughs> but it has the old version of what HDMI what became. And so it can understand the signal. I just had to figure out how to get it in there by... It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> well, it was. And I like, I bought this adapter and tried it. And I bought this. And eventually, I settled on one that worked. Um, and if you get close, you can see the pixels on the on the wall. Sure. But if you sit back on the other side of the room, it looks pretty Sounds good. great. Yeah, it's fun. I get my new TV delivered to me tomorrow. Nice. Bobby, how big did you go? I went 65. Nice. I think that's what we've got out there. Yeah. I, I was worried that 72 would be too big in my setup where my wall is. I'm like, eh, I don't want to get too big. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. It doesn't matter. It's on its way. I can't undo it now. It's so a 4K? It is. 4K. Which I did not want to do, but there wasn't really any other options. So maybe I'll get used to it and learn to love it. Because I've seen some 4K like... Oh, just as soon as you get the TV, go in and turn all the motion smoothing stuff off. Okay. That's but will I get used to it if I turn it, if I leave it on and then will I like it if I just get used to it? Or no. That's... It, it will always look like a soap opera. <laughs> I walk into a store and I'm like, that one's got it turned on. That one's got it turned on. That one's got right, it turned so on. So that's good to know. I'll have to remember yeah, that. So cause... turn all the motion smoothing stuff off because that stuff's just made, that stuff was designed to make sports look good. That's the, uh, that's the only purpose for it. Okay. It makes movies look like soap operas. Don't want that. And the first time I noticed it, I was watching uh, the old V series. Oh, man. The TV series? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, I I bought it on DVD, and uh, it's an old DVD, so you have to flip it over in the middle. (laughs) Because it's single layer, (laughs) right? Oh, my goodness. So I'm watching the first side, and I was enjoying it, and it looked cinematic, and it looked great, even though it was a TV show. And then I watched the second half later, but I had been tweaking with some settings on the TV trying to do whatever. And I'd accidentally turned the motion smoothing on and I didn't even know that was an option I had on my stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching the second half of it. I'm like, what happened? The first, so different. the first half of this looked great. And now it looks like a cheap soap opera. What <laughs> the heck happened? It okay. took me about 20 minutes. I'm like, Oh, okay. And I went in and I turned off all the stuff and then it went back to looking good again. And I'm all like, right. okay. Now I know what to look for when I get it. Yeah. Just, and it's called different things on every different TV, but it, it's just whatever the motion smoothing stuff is. I'll check that you, you want to turn that off. I don't know why they turn it on by default. Yeah. They think all people watch is sports on t- TVs, I guess. <laughs> I don't watch any sports. No one watches sports now. Right? No, I don't. It's not happening. <sighs> so you should at least plug where people can find your stuff. Um, on Facebook, Norton Man Art and Comics. And on Instagram, Norton Man Art. On Twitter, I don't even know because I don't use my Twitter because... <laughs> I hate Twitter. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, pretty much the best place just for me is just Instagram. Um, it's Norton12013. And uh, that's pretty much the easiest way to see anything. I upload pretty regularly. You can see everything I've got there. Um, and I do have a Facebook page that's, I think it's connected to the Instagram. So it's like my art page. So yeah, it's like Norton12013. But you won't see any of the, like, I mean, you can see some of, you, you put most of your drawings on Instagram, like your pages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't put a single one of my pages on. I'm like, <laughs> 
you need to read the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I figure I I don't know. I get it. Like I don't want it some people don't want to spoil it, but I'm like, I don't have that many people to follow me anyway, so I'm always trying to grab anybody's interest and attention. So hopefully anybody that listens to this, if you're interested, in, we can get you copies of the books. We have copies of volume one and two still on hand. And, yeah, uh, I'll have to see how many we have. I haven't looked at them in forever because no conventions. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I think I've got four or five of each one still on hand and whatever you have. And But um, yeah, if you're a fan of 80s kind of cartoons and want to see a more, a little bit different take on it, um, I think you'd enjoy it. I think they're interesting. For sure. Because if I didn't think they're interesting, why would I do it? So I'm biased. <laughs> what do I know? Excellent. Well, thanks for coming down. Yeah, man. Talking to us has been fun. Yeah. Oh, random impromptu. Hey, let's get together. And uh, yeah, this was because I got a new digital recorder and I wanted to try it out. I got a toy. <laughs> Somebody's got to do this. I didn't even kind of notice that. Then you, John, were like, we'll do it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of people hopped on. A there. whole bunch of people. Like, there's a whole bunch of people that... Really? Like, I've posted before, hey, does anybody want to come be on my podcast? Nothing. Crickets. I think people are getting stir crazy and they just want to do, do something. Because <laughs> I've gotten a whole bunch of people that I would have liked to have on before, uh-huh. but they just never seemed interested before so guess what now you won't let them on that (laughs) (laughs) all right well we'll uh see you next time yeah awesome thank you so say we all so say we all (laughs) (laughs) good night everybody silence. No. (laughs) Um...